0: it's wednesday night and we're continuing a study we began last week on the firstborn that has been one of the confusing things that people have mistranslated even your best calvinists they have mistranslated in romans 8 and 29 even the calvinists and most of the predestinationists don't know what that means but let's look at that one more time romans 8 and 29 for whom he did foreknow this is about whom it's not about what not about events and it's not about for whom God knew would do something it doesn't say that it says whom whose that's masculine gender singular it's it's one person, all of the one persons that God knew, everybody that's in his church, church is singular, it's the wife, it's the bride, it's all the called out of God, it's his elect family, whom, there are no H's in the Greek, so let's erase that and put the diacritical mark which as an H sound it's hus there is no H's in the Greek hus whom it's a people that he foreknew progonosco now he knew us before pro means before Gnosko means to know. It's a people he knew intimately. When you see somebody uh, on the sidewalk walking along, you say, I know him. means you have an intimate relationship. That's what that means. Uh, the ones on Jesus' left at the judgment in Matthew 7, he's going to say, depart from you the work iniquity. I never gnosko you. Well, he foreknew us. Those are the ones he's predestined, pro-horizo, this doesn't have anything to do with people's guesswork, pro meaning before, and horizo is the word horizon, it's our word horizon, the latin's adding an end to it, and it means to predetermine for the light, God predetermined us for the horizon, and the light is Jesus, He has predetermined us for Jesus. So the people that he foreknew are the ones he's predestined to be conformed. To be conformed, sumorphos, S-U-M-M-O-R-P-H-O-S. To be shaped, morphe, it's the word morphe, In fellowship with. What you're predestined to is to get in fellowship with people that believe the truth, not unbelievers and not false teachers. People will say, Well, shouldn't I go to church somewhere? No. You should go to a church that preaches the truth and there's not many of us around. I don't know of anybody that teaches the whole truth in America like what I'm teaching here. Christmas is pagan easter's pagan it's the same thing as mardi gras it's the same thing as valentine's the same thing as halloween there is no difference in halloween and christmas on the ancient calendars in the ancient world they came at different times of the year depending on the culture they were in so but this is not what i'm emphasizing i've preached on this many times the people god foreknew He's predestined them or predetermined them not just to be in heaven one day, but to be conformed to the image, icon, E-I-K-O-N. Likeness. Now, I really need to get into the likeness of Jesus. Likeness, if we're going to be a part of his kingdom We've got to be like him in his kingdom. When he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. A king rules in a kingdom. A king rules. In the kingdom of God, I wrote this on the board. The firstborn does not signify the first male born in a family. When you see firstborn in the scripture, firstborn signifies a king a priest and an inheritance these three things because when when Jacob had 12 sons Reuben was the eldest the kingship should have gone to Reuben the priesthood should have gone to him and the inheritance and when it went to the firstborn it he got a double portion and it was his job to take care of the rest of the family but he was unstable as water so god took it upon himself to allow jacob to appoint to appoint his third born son levi to have reuben's position of priesthood priesthood And his fourth born son Judah. Out of Judah would come the king. And out of his. Eleventh son Joseph. Would come. The inheritance. You've heard me say that Joseph. And that was through his second born son Ephraim. And Ephraim headed the ten northern tribes, ten northern tribes, and during the days of Jesus, only southern Judah was back from the captivity. Well, if only Judah was back, just the king was back, and the priests were in all of the tribes. Don't have time to go into that. But the northern tribes were called the ten lost tribes. Therefore, the if the owner was at home, Joseph was the owner, the inheritance of Israel. The firstborn was supposed to be king, priest, and have the inheritance. Joseph got the inheritance in Genesis, the forty eighth chapter, when Jacob crossed his hands and placed his hand upon the head of Ephraim, the second born of Joseph. Now, we are, the Bible says God hath made us priests and kings. I put it up here on the board. Jesus is the firstborn king, priest, and inheritance. But you've got to keep that in perspective because firstborn did not mean Jesus was born. He was born of a woman when Mary had brought forth her firstborn son. But he was, as God, he wasn't born from Mary. As God, he was here from eternity. He was the God, he was the I am in the beginning. He said he was. Well, I've heard these charismatics say, Jesus never called himself God. He called himself God in John the 8th chapter when he told the Pharisees uh, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it. They said, you're not even 50 years old. You've seen Abraham? He said, before Abraham was, I am. When he said, I am, he was saying, I am the I am God of the Old Testament. When he told Moses, you go tell Israel that I'm going to deliver them. And what if they've forgotten you, Uh, Moses said, what shall I say? He said, you tell them, I am has sent me. So he called himself the I am God. Now, the firstborn is the priest and the king. God had made substitutes in the Old Testament. Let's read the rest of that verse in in Romans 8 and 29. Well, I'll read the whole thing. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he, now the antecedent to he, antecedent. Antecedent does not refer back to a prepositional phrase to be conformed to the image of the Christ that he might be the firstborn. Antecedent refers back to a noun or a pronoun. That is the same person. The antecedent of that he, of he is the whom's. That we would be the firstborn. If we are the firstborn, then we are priests and kings. One more time. Let me just show that to you. Go over here to Revelation, the first chapter. Revelation 1. I've got to reset this. You can't preach this kind of thing or teach this kind of thing without resetting it. Now here in Revelation, the first chapter, verse 6, the Bible says that he hath made us, verse 6, he hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we're kings and priests. And if you look over here in, in uh, the 10th verse of the 5th chapter, God hath made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Now how are we kings? We're kings only in one sense. You have to remember when the Lord said, so shall thy seed be, and he said it to Abraham. He he said, look at the stars of heaven, number the stars, and he says, so shall thy seed be. But he turns around and says, in Galatians, qu- quoting that again. Look in Galatians. How can we all be firstborn? It's one seed. It's not a bunch of seeds. It's one. Look here in Galatians in that, in the third chapter, in verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, and it's quoting from the 15th chapter of Genesis, but as of one seed and to thy seed, which is Christ. Christ is in every one of his people, and he's the king that's in us, and we're kings in the sense that we are pronouncing his word with our mouths. That's what we're, we judge righteous judgment. That's what we do. That's what a king does. And a priest offers acceptable sacrifice. That's what the scripture says in Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You can't offer sacrifice from one end of the Bible to the other unless you are a priest. And we're priests of God. That's what we are. Now, I want to show you something else about the firstborn. That we would be the firstborn that he, referring back to, to whom that he be the firstborn of many brethren was Christ the firstborn he was the firstborn in one sense he was the king he is the priest forever after the order of Melchizedek and he has the inheritance of God how can he have the inheritance and we have the inheritance look at Romans eighth chapter Romans 8 and you got to remember all of these because they go together all right, Romans the eighth chapter. All right, remember, I said, "You have the inheritance as the firstborn, right? And he says right here in verse sixteen, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are." the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. We're heirs. He's an heir. And we have his seed in us. I said this last week. I don't mean to be crude, but this is this is fact. In my chemistry book, I was looking up seed and are the sperm of man. In one emission, there may be six hundred thousand sperm in one emission of a man six as many as six hundred thousand with god there's all the seed but it's one seed and he is in every one of us and he's the king that's in us christ in you the hope of glory we're in him and he's in us so we are the seed We have the inheritance and we're joint heirs with Christ, is what it says. The word joint heirs is soon clarinomio. S U G K L E R N O M O I. O I is plural. Sug, sug is a a form of soon or sum. It's a form of fellowship or to be conformed, sum, right there. It means to be shaped in fellowship with. Sum means fellowship or partaker together of cleronomos, K-L-E-R-N-O-M-O. O S. This right here, claronomos means. Let me write it out here. Move this. Claronomos. We've studied that. That is the word, or nomoi. K L E R O N O M O I, or N O M O S are N O M E O. These are inherit, inheritance, and we have obtained, Ephesians 1 and 11 says, we have obtained an inheritance, a clero nomeo. Inheritance, inherit, you can put clero on the front of that. Being predestinated. So an inheritance has to do with us being predestinated to it. We've obtained a... Nomos is the word law, or a lawful... A lawful kleros. Kleros means portion. How do you do, to obtain a lawful portion and become an heir with Christ. You have to be adopted. The Bible says there in Ephesians 1 and 5, 1 and 4 says, He had chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame, and without blame, before Him in love, having predestinated us, predestinated us to the adoption of children and if you're adopted you had a you have a lawful kleros nomos nomos is the greek word law kleros means a portion you have a lawful portion if you're adopted in the family of god and adoption means to it's a A word that means to place Tithame sons. I can't even think of the word. I've drawn a blank. It means to place sons. You place sons and only God can place us. U-I-O-S that's the word sons, huyos, to place sons. You go to an orphanage and the and the, the orphan doesn't place himself in a family. The one that comes to adopt points them out and says, that's the one I want. He pointed us out before the foundation of the world and said, these are mine. So, we're talking about having adopted having a lawful portion and when we have a lawful portion we are sons of God and we are priests and kings he said so he said we have an inheritance those are the three things that belong to a son there are well let me get back to my notes here these priest and king we've already concluded this priest and and King. Well, one other verse I want to give you before I get any further, and King. Go to Hebrews the twelfth chapter. Priest and King are the two witnesses. Now that's that's the two witnesses of Revelation eleven. The Bible says so plainly. You'll hear doctors of theology say, "Well, I think the two witnesses are Moses and Elijah. I think they're Moses and Enoch. They're the priest and the king. The Bible tells you, go over here to the 12th chapter of Hebrews. Give you one other thing. Well, not one other thing. I'll be talking about it all along the way. Here in Hebrews 12 and we have to be Jews to be in God's kingdom kingdom of God was a term for Israel and the Pharisees come to Jesus well I'll get to that in a minute in Hebrews 12 in verse 18 but ye are not coming to the mount that might be touched. We're not coming to the literal mountain uh, that can be touched, Mount Sinai in the desert, that God says if anybody touches it, they'll die. Sinai? Huh? Who? What? What mount? Mount Sinai. When Moses went up on Mount Sinai to get the law, God says don't let anybody come and touch the mountain. They'll die. I'll kill them. It says that in the Old Testament. And that burned with fire. <laughs> there was fire burning up on that mountain. Nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest. And the sound of the trumpet and the voice of the words, which voice they that heard entreated that the words should not be spoken to them any more, For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, talking about Sinai over in the book of Exodus, it shall be stoned and thrust through with a dart or a spear. God says, this is my private mountain. You're standing on holy ground, Moses, and take the shoes off your feet and don't let any beast come near. I'll kill anybody that gets near here. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly quake and fear and quake. That word quake is the word ekphobeo. People say they're not to be afraid of God. Ekphobeo. It is our word, P-H-O, phobia. Phobia doesn't mean you're slightly nervous about something. It means phobeo means to be frightened Frightened Eck Out of your wits. No Moses was terrified he's going to talk to God, gets on his face upon the mountain. But he says that's not the mountain we come to and he goes on to say that. But ye are not, you are coming to Mount Zion spelled Z I O N in the Old Testament. Zion means sunny. It has the same basic meaning as Horizo, the horizon, the sun shining there. So we come to Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to a numeral company of angels, and to the general assembly and church of the firstborn the church is the firstborn it's one church it's got the seed of Christ in every one of us and he's the firstborn of God in the sense that he wasn't born but he's only the firstborn in the sense that he is the priest he's the high priest he's the king and we have him and us, and that's how we're kings and priests, and we offer sacrifice our bodies daily when we really come to the place of maturing in Christ, and we pronounce righteous judgment, and we have inherited the kingdom. Now, so the church is the first one. Church is singular, and we all got Christ's seed in us, and whosoever is born of God Doth not commit sin, his seed remaineth in him. His sperma remains in him. His sporos, the spore of God. Now, these, we are the the, uh, priest and king as the two witnesses. Let's go back over here to Revelation 3 the priest and king is a part of our inheritance it's what we inherit we are priests and kings but as priests and kings let me put it this way let me put it this way we we have an inner man that's Christ in you that's the king Christ the king is in you Well, the the Pharisees come to Jesus and say, are you going to restore the kingdom at this time? He said, the kingdom cometh not with observation. The kingdom of God is in you. If the kingdom of God is in us, the king is in us. We're circumcised of the heart. We're spiritual Israel. We're spiritual Jews. I don't know why preachers hate that so much, but you know most preachers hate the idea of somebody preaching that we're spiritual Israel. Well, circumcision belongs to Israel, belonged to Abraham in the seventeenth chapter. Now our hearts are circumcised. We're circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. There in Ephesians the second chapter and in Colossians the second chapter. It's a spiritual circumcision. So the king is the inner man, and he's in each one of his children, and the outer man serves the law of the flesh, and that's what we have to put to death. And it takes years to do that, but you can't put something to death unless it is a priest. So the priest is the outer man that dies to the flesh, offers our body a living sacrifice. When we witness and tell people that Christmas is pagan, it was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America. Predestination's true. God doesn't love everybody. He loved his wife, the church, and died for her and nobody else. Well, when you tell people that, they're wanting to crucify you. So, the priest and the king is the inner man and the outer man. The king is in the inner man. And he works on us for years with trials and fire and persecution and tribulation to cause us to be willing to die to the flesh. And that is a cross. That's a daily cross that we have to bear And it's death to self and it's self-denial. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily as the outer man and die. And the longer you live, the older you get, the less of self you're going to want and you're going to please the inner man. And that's the king in us. Now, I want us to look here at the 11th chapter. So the priest and the king are the two witnesses and this is the way you bear this out I'm going to go through I I can't preach on the firstborn without preaching on the two witnesses it's just the way it works uh, the two witnesses ok let's look over here in Revelation 11 11? Revelation 11 And I I can't go through verses one and two. That takes a long time to understand that because it has to do with the seventy weeks of Daniel. I will go back through that. I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. That's the very end of the tribulation at the end of time. But there are two witnesses. And boy, there's been all this conflict about who the two witnesses are. Has anybody ever heard preachers talk about this is Moses and Elijah or or this is uh, uh, Moses and Enoch? Has anybody heard that? That's a common thing among the so-called scholars. The Bible spells out who the two witnesses are. It's the church. It's the priest and king. Now look here. Two witnesses, it'll tell you right here who they are. Sometimes it's plain as the nose on your face and people don't want to deal with it. I'll give power to my two witnesses. These are they're in verse four. These are the two olive trees. So we're gonna put two witnesses equal to olive trees. We're going to show you that the two olive trees are the priest. Well, let me put it down here. Two olive trees equals a priest and the king. The Bible plainly states that priest and king. It doesn't explain it here. It explains in Zechariah, the fourth chapter, You think two olive trees are different here than they are in Zechariah, the fourth chapter? They're not. Same thing. Let me go ahead and read the rest of this. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. To stand before means to represent God in the earth. Now what I have to do is show you how... How I come up with that, go back to Zechariah, the fourth chapter. We're going to have to define, in order to understand all this, I got to define the seven candlesticks. Seven candlesticks. or the church it's actually the refined church refined church and we'll see that in Revelation 1 the last verse of Revelation the first chapter 11 not 11th chapter the first chapter first chapter before I go over to Zechariah Let me go ahead and go to Revelation, the first chapter, so you can see this. I've taught on this before, but coming back to the firstborn, which is the priest and the king with the inheritance, and if the priest and the king are the two witnesses, and that's the firstborn, the firstborn receives the inheritance, and he becomes the priest and the king of the family. Now look here in Revelation, the first chapter. In Revelation, the first chapter, you see Christ standing in the middle of seven candlesticks. And you see he's got seven stars in his right hand. Boy, that takes us to the Pleiades, doesn't it? That takes us to the seven stars and Orion in Amos, the fifth chapter in in Revelation the first chapter Christ is in the seven candlesticks he says each one of these seven churches in verse 11 is a candlestick and Christ is standing amidst the seven golden candlesticks that has to be Jewish that is the menorah what gets me I figured out a long time ago, the first chapter of Revelation, this was a Jewish book. Let's go over here to, here it is. This is the menorah, the seven candlesticks, and this is the shield of David. And the old rabbi said David wore the menorah on his shield. Well, this is called shield of David, the star of David. That's what it's called. Looking at it from the top. Even when you get into Exodus, the 23rd chapter, and it will say, this is what it will say. It will say, if this is the center post of the candlesticks, it will say three, there's three candlesticks out of each side. So most people draw it through all the candlesticks like this. Two-dimensional. The only picture we have of the candlesticks was when the Ark of Titus, when the candlesticks were carried away, and we have a picture of the Ark of Titus, and it is three-dimensional. If you draw a diameter through any of these if you got a diameter, you got one, two, three. With this diameter, this is a diameter here. You have one, two, three. You got a diameter here, one, two, three. So there would be three out of each side when you looked at it this way, because this is the way the candlesticks are on the Ark of Titus. I got that in a. I think I had it on a paper here. I don't know. I thought I had it. I thought I placed it over here a while ago. But anyway, you can look up candlesticks in your McLenic and Strong, and you'll see on the Ark of Titus, it is three-dimensional. It's not two-dimensional. Now, and where was I? So you've got Christ standing amidst the candlesticks in verse 12 and 13 in the midst of the seven candlesticks are, are one likened to the son of God clothed with a garment down to the paps down to the foot and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. And in verse 16, he had in his right hand seven stars. When I see seven stars, I think of Pleiades, and that was called the morning star. What is Jesus called in the 22nd chapter of Revelation? He's called the morning star. And the Pleiades was seven stars in Pleiades' constellation. The Pleiades, the Jews said, the Pleiades has seven visible stars in the spring that comes out at the end of April, somewhere in the in that early spring, and the rabbi said because they became visible, they said the Pleiades caused the flowers to bloom, the wheat to grow, the apples to blossom. They said it was the Pleiades that brought that up. And God tells Israel, I can bind the sweet influences of Pleiades. And Orion was called the evening star. Orion. And Orion, they said, the Jews said, the rabbis said, that pulled the sap down in the winter and caused the everything to be barren until the springtime. Well, God says, I can bind Pleiades, and you won't have any crops. it wasn't a matter of whether Pleiades actually caused the crops to come up that's what the rabbis said. so God says i'll use your terminology I'll bind Pleiades and I'll loose the bands of Orion. what binds Orion down in the winter i'll you'll be having a you'll be having a uh, You'll be having a uh, a cold winter and it'll be in the middle of January and, and it'll be real cold and then I'll cause a warm front to come in. And I'll hit you with a, I'll wait till about two or three weeks and get all the crops to start coming up. Crocuses do that and the daffodils do that if we get a warm front come in in the middle of January, February. And then God says, I'll strike you with a cold front. And then I'll come back and hit you with a freeze, and it'll kill your crops. That's what he's saying. And God's God's promise was to give Israel crops as long as they were obedient to him. So Pleiades has to do with crops, fruit. If they've got the morning star, that's Christ, then they'll have the fruit of the Spirit. If they're obedient to God. Us included. Then he says, down here in verse 20, this verse 20 is one of the most important verses in this whole book. I've said this a hundred times. Verse 20 of chapter 1 is a glossary for the whole book. 'Cause you got these seven candlesticks and seven angels all through or the seven stars all through Revelation. Verse twenty. The mystery of the seven stars in the right hand of Christ. Well, I think Pleiades. I think I think of the Big Dipper, which is the swastika. I think of that. The Big Dipper has got... This is like having two witnesses in the Bible. The Big Dipper... Let me put it up here. The Big Dipper has seven stars in it and it's like so and the ancients in the ancient world this was their their seasonal calendar was the Big Dipper it was also the swastika That is a swastika suvasti. Suvasti means it is well. And amen means it is to be. It's similar to the word amen or amen, however you want to pronounce it. They said that if this is summer and this is winter and this is, or this is fall, this is winter and this is spring comes here they said they would check the Big Dipper every three months at midnight and in the summer it would be up here then going into the fall it would be over here and they knew they had to get from fall all this was their clock Their calendar clock, that's what the swastika was. And it had to get around here to spring again if they're going to have crops in the spring. They worshipped that, they said, the Queen of Heaven, which is the Mary of Roman Catholicism, Queen of Heaven, and that was actually the moon according to the pagans she was the lesser of the gods but they gave more adoration to the moon and that and if you go into those arab countries the moon the crescent moon is their symbol that's on the flags that's on the flags of the turks and many of the others over there many of the other nations there and they worship the lord moon in fact the word iraq Raq comes from the word Y-E-A-R-E-C-H, or A-C-H, Yarak, Yarak is one of the words for moon, moon, so we get the word Iraq, or our son's name is Eric, It means a ruler and the Lord moon, the moon ruled the night. She removed the night. And the Bible says, don't seek the seven stars, seek him that maketh the seven stars and Orion. So they they said that there were two witnesses to the seven stars. The swastika or the Big Dipper, that's where I challenge anyone Anybody that owns a computer. I'm looking at the camera. Go online and look up swastika in the stars. It'll pop up there and this is what you'll see. Hitler sent Himmler, his head of his SS, his hitman, his death squad to Tibet and to come up with Uh, he was looking for angels that had fallen from heaven, which is a fairy tale. And he's looking for a superior race or an Aryan race, A-R-Y-A-N. Aryan means superior. Because he thought the Nazis were superior people, the Germans were. I don't know why he thought they were better than the English and better than the, Americans because we were all Caucasians except for the blacks and he thought they were a superior race they were better than the English and better than the Americans I don't don't even get that and he wasn't an Aryan he was a little short squirt just a ridiculous looking guy with a goofy mustache but he brought this all back from Tibet so you got Amos the fifth chapter and you got the Queen of Heaven in Jeremiah 44 and Jeremiah 7. And God condemns Israel for worshiping the Queen of Heaven. They said the Queen of Heaven had to be turning this wheel to get them back around to the spring. They thought the Big Dipper was turning, and that wasn't it. We're in this circular going around the sun, so forth. All right. Now, so he says down here in verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. Here's the mystery. Here's the glossary. It's going to tell you what it is when you run across the seven angels in Revelation 8, 9, 10. Revelation 15, you're going to run across those same angels. He says, here's the mystery and the seven golden candlesticks and the seven the seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches some you really need to understand here seven stars are the seven angels all the pastors of the churches were called angels but actually the word is Angelos, A-G-G-E-L-O-S It means messenger. You know what we need to do? Throw the word angel out the window and forget that. It means messenger. You could have Michael the heavenly angel, Gabriel the heavenly angel, but you could have me a messenger preaching the truth of God's word. I'm an angel when it comes to preaching. If you have a little kid that goes next door to borrow sugar from the neighbor, the the little kid's an angel even if it's a brat because it's a messenger saying mama wants to borrow a cup of sugar. That's what an angel is. So the seven angels are, the seven stars are the seven messengers of the seven churches. You've got to realize something I wish this was bigger than what it is because these these stem and these pipes they cut, they start down here and they've got big round pipes and they've got oil in them they got olive oil in them and the olive oil causes the flame up here on the on the tips of the of the candlesticks the oil is a picture of the angels or the messenger. The candlestick has no need. That's like we don't have any need in our bodies unless we've got the oil. And all through Scripture, the oil is always a picture of the Holy Spirit. Always. So the oil and the candlesticks is the Holy Spirit in us. Can you see that? So the candlesticks are worthless without the message in them. Worthless without the oil. And we are, the oil is, is causes the flame to come out. And that, that was the only official light in Israel. That was, that was, it was the only light And whether anybody likes it or not, that's the truth about the swastika. We're not Nazis here. We're not uh prejudiced people. It's stupid to I put this on a board and people say, Look at there are a bunch of Nazis on there. You're dumb. This has a history behind it. I started putting something on the board. Let me let me finish up here. And he says, and the candlesticks are the seven churches. So, candlesticks equal seven churches. Right? And seven stars... Think, Pleiades. Think, Morning Star. Think, fruit. The seven stars equals these seven messengers. Think, preachers. All the pastors of churches in the first century were called angels, messengers. Think preachers. Think oil. Particularly olive oil. That's the way they lit everything up. And that was, if this is the temple, and you had the veil, and then you had... The Ark of the Covenant, you had the the table of showbread, showbread, had the altar of incense, and you had the seven candlesticks down here, and of course you had the altar here, the brazen altar, and the brazen sea down here, but think of the light, the only light in Israel was the candlesticks now. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So, the church of the firstborn, the church is the firstborn, isn't it? So the church would be, if it says there are the seven churches, remember, remember, seven churches in the Hebrew, is Sheba. The queen of Sheba was the queen of seven. That's what her name means, seven. And to take an oath was, this is a form of Sheba, S-H-E-B-U-A-H. And that word means to take an oath. But to take a real oath to God, this also means to seven oneself. They didn't talk the way we talk. They talked with idioms and metaphors and figures of speech. When they said seven, it meant something. You got sevens all through the book of Revelation. Seven stars, seven seals, seven angels, seven trumpets, seven sevens all the way through there. So if the church, heavenly Jerusalem is the church of the firstborn, it's the church, then the church is the seven stars. The church is the seven candlesticks. They're all the same. Now let's go back over here to Zechariah, the fourth chapter. They don't change. God doesn't change his mind. He said, in all of my judgments, I change not. Change, Shaddai, means I don't mutate any doctrines or any beliefs. It means to transmute This is in Malachi, the third chapter, transmute or duplicate. He said, I do not mutate anything out of one thing into another. If I got seven candlesticks over here, it's the same thing over here, over here in the Old Testament as it is in the New. Now, let's look at Zechariah. We said the two witnesses... The Bible says in Revelation 11 that the two witnesses equals or are the two olive trees. And I was going to show you how the two olive trees are the priest and the king. The two olive trees. Zechariah sees seven candlesticks. And he said, there's two olive trees. What grows on an olive tree? Olives. When you press them on an olive press, what do they yield? Olive oil. And what do they use them for? To put in the candlesticks and to cook with. That's what they used it for. Now look over here in Zechariah. I'm not going to go through the whole chapter, But Zechariah, the fourth chapter. Well, I'll go ahead and read. It's got a... Boy, I can get into this and spend a lot of time. Let me look up here in verse 8 of chapter 3. Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest. You got a priest here, and you got a king. Thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch, talking about Christ. Then it goes on down here and talks about, this is not the Joshua that came over with Moses. This is another Joshua. It's Joshua who is a descendant of Aaron to be a high priest you had to be a descendant of Aaron. It's going to talk about Zerubbabel in the next chapter in chapter 4. Talks about Joshua in chapter 3. Zerubbabel was in the lineage of Christ the king in Matthew the first chapter. So you got the priest and the king, right here, in these two chapters, the priest and king. Now, the angel that, verse 1 of chapter 4, the angel that talked with me, came again, this is Zechariah talking, waked me as a man that wakened out of his sleep and said unto me, What do you see, Zechariah? And I said, I have looked, and behold, a candlestick of gold. You'll find that over in Exodus, the 28th chapter. It's the same candlesticks in Revelation, the first chapter. Those are literal over in Exodus. Those are spiritual church in Revelation, the first chapter. With a bowl upon the top of it, and his seven lamps, the seven candlesticks, and the seven pipes to the seven lamps, which are upon the top of it, the seven pipes that go up to the seven pipes, go up to the candlesticks. And remember, the oil is the message. We're the candlesticks, and we've got the oil in us, we got the Holy Spirit in us. The olive oil is the, that's where the, we're the stars the seven stars and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top and two olive trees. You think that's different than Revelation 11? No. What do the olive trees do? They empty themselves the the, the priest and the king empty themselves into the candlesticks which is the church so that the church can give out light, that's what it's talking about. If you don't think figuratively, you'll never figure this out. Never will. That's what's wrong with these so-called prophecy teachers. They don't think figuratively. And the two olive trees buy it, one upon the right side of the bowl and the other on the left side. Now, it's talking about these two olive trees. I'm going to skip this next part. I'll spend half a day going through those next three or four verses. Now, and he says in verse 9, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of the house. This is about building the temple. It was Zechariah and Haggai's message to tell the people, get back building in 520 B.C. when they had quit 16 years before in 536 because they had gotten so much flack. His hand also shall finish it, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me. Who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet, the plumb line, the measuring line in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven candlesticks. They are the eyes of the Lord. So the seven candlesticks, seven candlesticks are the eyes of the Lord. seven candlesticks equal equal eyes of Lord so if the seven candlesticks are the eyes of the Lord and the seven candlesticks are the church and you've got the seven stars, which are the preachers inside of the candlesticks or the oil. Then the seven candlesticks and the church are all the same thing. And the church is the eyes of the Lord, isn't it? The Bible says in Second Chronicles that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, showing themselves strong in behalf of those whose hearts are perfect towards God. So we go throughout the earth, we show ourselves strong to the church, those people that need that. Now let's go go further in this. Verse 11, it's going to tell you who the two olive trees are, which are the two witnesses. Then answered I and said unto him, What are these two olive trees? Revelation 11 said they're the two witnesses of God. It's going to tell you who they are right here, if anybody had the good sense to look at it. What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlesticks, upon the left side? And I answered again and said unto him, What be these two olive branches which, through the two golden pipes, empty the golden oil? That's the message of God that the that the two witnesses empty into the candlesticks and the golden oil out of themselves. And he answered me and said, you don't know what these are, these two olive trees? And I said, no, my Lord. And he said it, and he said he, these are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. So the two, the two olive trees equals the two anointed ones. Who were the anointed ones in the Old Testament? The priest. You can look up priest in your concordance. Nearly every time it says king, it will say, remember when, when David was being chased by Saul and and they caught Saul in the middle of the night in a cave and they caught him once in a trench and Abishai said Uncle David I'll kill this dog David said he is the anointed of the Lord you don't lay a hand on him and the kings were called the anointed of the Lord and we're the anointed of the Lord and we're priests and kings what are we anointed with What comes out of our heart? The abundance of heart, the mouth speaks. We're anointed. Look here. Go over here. So the two anointed ones, the priest and the king, are the two olive trees. You can make that. You can say the priest and the king are the two witnesses. And that's the church, isn't it? It's exactly the church. Look over here in, I was going to give you something that I kind of, there had to be two witnesses. The oil. Huh? The anointing of the oil. What? You were going to go to the oil? No, I don't think I was. I don't remember where I was going. I got so many notes here. Let me just give this to you. In Numbers thirty-five thirty. Whoso killeth a person, the murderer shall be put to death by the mouth of witnesses. But one witness shall not testify against any person to cause him to die. It took two witnesses and they had to be honorable. In our our day and time, you can have one drug lord that's going to testify against a bigger drug lord and he can be a liar and a crook and a thief and you get one testimony you convict him in our courts you couldn't do that in theirs in deuteronomy 17 6 and 7 at the mouth of two witnesses shall he that is worthy of death be put to death but the mouth of one witness he shall not be put to death the hands of the witnesses Shall be first upon him to put him to death. Remember the woman that was taken in adultery in John eight, the first chapter of uh, the first verse, a woman was brought to Jesus that was taken in adultery, and the Pharisees brought the woman to Jesus and threw him down threw her down at his feet, said so this woman was taken in the very act. Well their law said you had to bring the woman and the man. And they had a law, and the one that saw the act had to step forward, and they picked up a big stone, and they it doesn't say cast the first stone. It says first cast the stone. Jesus said, he that is right of sin, let him be first to cast the stone. The thing about the first to cast the stone, if he was lying and he was a false witness, he had to suffer whatever penalty he was accusing this one of. And when Jesus stooped down to write on the ground, I'll tell you what I believe he wrote. I believe he wrote a verse out of the 19th chapter of Deuteronomy. 19 says, One witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin that he sinneth at the mouth of two witnesses or the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established if a false witness rise up then shall you do unto him as he had thought to have done unto his brother why do you think those Pharisees walked away when he stooped down to write on the ground I believe that's what he wrote so they didn't cast the stone did they no they did go if you were lying you had to die how do you like that I like that <laughs> <laughs> well, I and Jesus said in John eight seventeen, he's looking at the Pharisees it's written in your law that the testimony of two men is true has to be two men. It has to be two honorable men. If one of you's is lying, you're going to have to suffer the penalty that you're accusing a person of. I'd hate to be accusing somebody. And in 1 Timothy 5 and 19, against an elder, receive not an accusation but before two or three witnesses. And then in Hebrews ten twenty eight, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Now, all right, let me get on with this. So the two olive trees equals the two witnesses, and the two witnesses are the two anointed ones, the priest and the king. So the two witnesses are the two anointed ones Is the two olive trees. It's the priest and the king because they were the anointed ones in the Old Testament. They're the only ones that were anointed. So that's us. At the last day when the priest and the king are out there, look back at Revelation 11. Revelation 11. And this confuses a lot of people. But if the two witnesses us, and it is, the priest and the king, they're the two anointed ones. I don't know. I've never heard anybody even try to compare Zechariah 4 with Revelation 11. And they tell you exactly who it is. How much time do I have, Mike? 22. All right. So the two witnesses, the priest and the king, are the church. Now look over here in Revelation 11. A lot of people get confused because they think for some reason this is all literal. All right. I'm going to read verse 4 again. These, well, some of it is, isn't it? Huh? It is in a sense. It is what? Literal well it is we're the literal two witnesses we are the church we're the two anointed ones we're the priest and king because we're the firstborn this started with predestined conform to the image of his son that we be the firstborn that he the homes that he had chosen be the firstborn but Christ is also priest and king we're only priest and king because he the one seed is in all of us it's one seed it's not plural so shall thy seed be. And that makes us priests and king. well, you can look back over here at Genesis 15. I probably should give you this, then I'll come back. So our job here is just to witness. It's to tell people the truth. It's not to twist somebody's arm behind their back and say, would you like to accept Christ, pray this prayer, and accept Jesus as your Savior? You can't do nothing. If you're elect, you will hear the hearing air and the seeing eye of the Lord has made even both of them look here in Genesis 15 this is what Galatians the the third chapter was talking about "He he saith not unto seeds as of many but as of one and his seed remains in all of the born again believers so it's one seed one king in all of us we're all one the church look here in the 15th chapter Huh? It's not a dollar bill, is it? No, it ain't a dollar bill. It's stupid. Send in your seed faith. That's dumb. Seed is sporos. It comes to the word sperma, which is our word sperm. And it's masculine gender. I've never seen a dollar bill that's masculine unless it had George Washington's picture on it. Stupid. <laughs> All right he says here in the 15th chapter of Genesis in verse 5 what well he says in verse 4 behold the word of the Lord came unto Abraham saying this shall not be thine heir speaking of Eliezer this Syrian that lives in his house he's a very faithful man but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir he's talking about Isaac he gives him the prophecy of Isaac in the 17th chapter and he brought Abraham forth and abroad and said, Look now toward the star to heaven and tell the stars. That's a saphar, It's a, uh, a term, census term is what it is. Tell the stars if thou be able to number them. He said unto him, So shall thy singular seed be. Like the stars. Singular. Because he says it's single in Galatians, the third chapter, when he's repeating it. He said, not unto the seeds of, as of many, but as of one, unto thy seed, which is in Christ, which is in all of us. And that's why we don't sin in the inner man. Drop something there. <laughs> that's okay. Now, let's go over here and see, as priests and kings, what we're anointed with. Go to First John one Revelation eleven. Now we'll go back to Revelation eleven. I gotta give you this in first John. Here's how we're anointed. All right. First John two. Here's our anointing. As priests and kings. Look at verse 27. But the anointing which ye have received, Kriya, H R E I A, the anointing, Kriya, the smearing all over. There's only one smearing all over us. And what would that be? What? Oil. What if I said baptism? A blood baptism was a death. There has to be death of that outer man. And that outer man is the priest that's offering his body a living sacrifice. All right. The anointing which ye have received, you have received it, John says. Of him abideth in you. This is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Colossians one twenty seven. He's in you and he's the king. Are you going to restore the kingdom? The kingdom of God is in you. The king's in you. It's the one seed that's in all of us. And you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth. The anointing is the truth. And when we give the truth to people, aletheia. That makes people so mad to say predestination is true. A L E T H E I A. Truth. This is what we're anointed with. Lanthano means to lie hid, to conceal or lie hid. And the alpha privative placed in front of that negates the word and translates truth, truth. But what is the truth? It's removing the cover. Everything I'm saying is the truth up here. We're removing the cover. Gosh. This takes me on a long run. What is the truth? Isn't the truth eating flesh and drinking blood? Isn't that what it is? Except you eat my flesh and drink my blood. You don't have any life in you in John the 6th chapter. Eat my flesh, drink my blood An old ancient idiom. It didn't mean to literally drink blood and eat literal flesh because Jesus explains it. He said, For my flesh is meat indeed. Well, I think that's what we're anointed with. Alethes, A-L-E-T-H-E-S, of truth. That's what we're anointed with. To tell people the truth and take the cover off and say it like it is. Christmas is Christ's best, whether anybody likes it or not. What's amazing about Christmas, I don't mean to boast in this, but I figured that out as a little boy. For nobody had ever talked to me. I sat there in Fort Worth, Texas, 1951 52. I was 12 years old and we bought a TV my father bought a TV a little 80 inch screen we had two stations NBC and CBS no other stations had rabbit ears boy that thing would break up and the horizontal hole would roll sometimes we'd get over to the TV and get fix that horizontal hole and finally it to stop I'm watching the Pope as a little boy 12 years old and I'm saying to myself and no one had ever talked to me about it I heard that the Catholic Church was an evil thing. And I'm sitting there looking at that saying, is this Christ's Mass? Christmas. There's the Pope. it's, It's Christmas Eve. And he's doing the Mass, the Midnight Mass. I think that's something about eating the body of Christ or something like that. And that's what it was. That's the Mass. It's the focal point of Roman Catholicism. But you tell people that, And you're going to eat flesh and drink blood because that's an ancient idiom that meant to partake in a slaughter. Partake in a slaughter. I'm talking about telling people the truth and taking the cover off. Drink blood and eat flesh. You're going to find that in, in Ezekiel the 39th chapter at the end of time God's going to call the fowls of the air say come and eat flesh and drink blood at the supper I prepared for you when he kills all the men of sin and the and the Babylonians and destroys all the earth and there's not going to be enough funeral homes to bury everybody so God's going to call his self made uh, pallbearers the fowls of the air the eagles the vultures come and eat these men and that means to partake in the slaughter and we are lambs to the slaughter in romans the eighth chapter lambs to slaughter and you're going to find eat flesh and drink blood in revelation 19 where he says the same thing he says over here in ezekiel 39 and christ is coming back with eyes as a flame of fire in flaming fire taking vengeance on all those that know not God that obey not the gospel and he's going to call the fowls of the air to come and eat flesh and drink blood when he destroys the false prophet and the and the beast world system and you have eat flesh and drink blood in there you know what I kind of think of when you talk about that what? it's our conforming well we are conforming I mean is that kind of Yeah, we're conforming to Christ's likeness, and we get more and more willing, the more we learn, we get more and more willing to say the truth to people. That makes us strong. I'm not afraid of anybody. I'll tell you what, I am vexed. I've been thinking of that lately. I am vexed. I'm betwixt two. I'm just saying I can't stand this world. What am I going to do? I know I'm going to keep talking to people about truth and keep preaching, keep teaching. I feel like lot in Sodom. My soul is vexed. Several words for vexed means to be in a quandary and you just don't know what to do. I go out and talk to people every day and I witness to people and some people say, well, that sounds interesting. But nobody ever comes around just the people that's here people that see us on tv there'll be two people from over here and one person over yonder another one over here most of our congregation on sunday morning is from 50 to 75 to 80 miles away you can't get a lot of people in one place because only few are going to hear this truth do i have time left mike all right let me give you some more of this I'll get back to the 11th chapter, but let me give you this. If truth is what we're anointed with, anointed as priest and king with truth. Well, that's with eat flesh and drink blood. That's when we eat flesh and drink blood, isn't it? And what does he say over there in John 6 chapter? Look over there. You can't preach on this. I can't preach on it without bringing out all these different points on it. John 6. And look at verse 48. I am the bread of life. Bread. now remember we said we're anointed with truth and that's eating flesh and drinking blood when we tell people the truth and that's the same thing as the bread your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead this is the bread which cometh down from heaven that if a man eat thereof and not die I am the living bread which came down from heaven if any man will eat this bread he shall live forevermore and the bread that I will give is my flesh eat flesh is eating the bread isn't it notice that there's an axiom in algebra things that are equal to the same thing are equal to each other the two witnesses are equal to the the two olive trees. That's equal to the church. That's equal to the truth. That's equal to the bread. That's equal to eat flesh and drink blood. That's what we're anointed with. All these are equal. If you notice, they're all the same thing, aren't they? That's not hard to understand, is it? Algebra is real easy when you use it in the Bible. If equals, the substitute is for equals. So you can say, let's substitute the church. The results are equal. Let's substitute the church for the seven stars. Let's substitute the church for the seven candlesticks. Let's substitute the church for the two witnesses. Let's substitute the church for the truth. And then he says, the bread that I will give is my flesh. And that's the truth. And that's eat flesh and drink blood means to eat and drink of truth, doesn't it? I don't know why people resent me putting these things together. This is like the simplest algebra equation you can come up with. They're all equal. Which I will give for the life of the world. And the Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And then he tells them, My flesh is truth. Truth. It's made of truth. Then Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man, drink His blood, ye have no life in you. And the Roman Catholics took that and said, We'll have the Eucharist and raise it up in the air and say, Hocus corpus eumphile, and it'll turn into the litter, body, and blood of Christ. That's not it, Catholics. Has nothing to do with that. Has to do with eating drinking of truth. Oh, but wait a minute. My flesh is meat and drink, and my blood is drink and drink. It's of truth. That's what we're anointed with, isn't it? As priest and king. I keep saying that over and over because I don't want you to forget it. Look over here in Hebrews 10. Or right, let me go to 1 Corinthians. I ain't going to have time for this. 1 Corinthians 10. First Corinthians 10, 16. The cup of blessing which we bless is not the communion of the blood of Christ. That's drinking of truth. The bread which we break is it not the communion of the body of Christ. And how many bodies are there? There's one. And what is the body? Colossians 1, 18 and 24. The of the church. That's the two witnesses. That's the two olive trees. For we being many are one bread and one body, one church. And you have to partake of the body which is partaking of the church. Which makes people want to crucify you when you tell them the truth. Doesn't it? Yes. Gosh. I got so much more on this. Go to Hebrews. Go to Hebrews. I'll just read this and then I'll stop because I'm running out of time. Do I have any time, Mike? Four. One. Four. Four. Maybe I can read this real quick. Hebrews 10. And I'm going to add a little to it up because I'm going to define it as I go. Hebrews 10, verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make with my people... After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts. That's the truth. That's what we get crucified for. And in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus, not by the blood of a goat, by a new and living hodos, a narrow way. Hodos is the word way. There's two ways, a narrow way and a broad way. Narrow is the word thelebo; It's a form of phileptus, the word tribulation. We enter in the hodos by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil of the temple, that is to say his flesh. So the bell of the temple is his flesh. And when you partake of the temple, you eat flesh and drink blood when you partake of the spiritual temple of God. And you come in by a new and living way. And he does that because he's the high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He kills a goat here on this altar brings it in past the veil which is to say his flesh the flesh is the bread the bread is the body the flesh is also the truth and the body is the church these are all equal to each other and that's the two witnesses and that's the two olive trees Every one of these are the same thing, two olive trees. Can you see that? They're all equal. The two witnesses are the two anointed ones. That's the priest and the king. Priest and king, and the Bible says the two olive trees, and the two olive trees are the two anointed ones, and that's priest and king. And all of these are the same thing. Two olive trees. Which empty themselves into the seven candlesticks, which is the church. Seven candlesticks. All of these are the same. Things equal to the same thing are equal to each other. Can you understand that? They're all equal. They're all the same thing. There's an equal sign between every one of them that's the first week of algebra things equal to the same thing are equal to each other can you forget that that's hard to forget isn't it and anytime you find that in the Bible you can substitute any equal for another equal you can do that in mathematics and you can do it in the word of God because that's a mathematical structure that you cannot contradict I'm out of time let's pray Father, thank you for your truth and for your word. This book just is uh, overwhelming to me, Lord. Thank you for letting us see it. Fight our battles. Lord, I feel so vexed here in this world. Give me strength to keep going, and we'll praise you for everything. In Christ's name, amen. Oh, Amen. Tied a lot of that together, didn't we? It's not that hard when you just see this is equal, this is equal, this is equal, this is equal to this. They're all equal. Makes me crazy. Well, you understand it though, don't you? I yeah, do, but I'm crazy. <laughs> What scrambles my brain? If you got much left? Ooh. <laughs> Teaching this, I'm trying to keep up with myself. Glenda. <laughs> what you doing there, girl? Um, I'm trying to understand what's going on here. Okay, with the... Um, I'm going to call my book. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. What you doing, Glenn? Yes. How are you doing? I'm fine. You're fine? Yes. What you doing, little girl? Is this my daddy? Yes, it is. It's my daddy. Are you available Saturday? I should be. Eric said he, he he won't have to work because okay. he's already taken his turn. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll be looking He available. picked up my flooring today. For so. <laughs> Who did? Um, I oh, Eric did? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had it up here at Rose, and he ordered it. He knew how to do all that. Okay. So. All right. I got another statue. <laughs> Thank you. I love you. I love you too, man. I know that's an awful lot of stuff. But well, it's equal to each other, so yeah, they're all equal to each other. That's the point. It's, it's great. They're all equal. Great. Great it makes algebra more interesting, doesn't it? Makes the Bible. It makes the Bible interesting. The Bible, interesting. the Bible is full of algebra. It's packed full of it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Rosie. Uh hold on a second. Let me give you something Let me go over and grab that for you, Mary. Let me give you something here. You wouldn't hear Sunday. This is for Sunday, okay? Well, thank you. You're welcome. This is a twenty-five dollar card, and I got—I'm gonna give you twenty-five dollars with it. And that's a—what uh, you call it? Huh? <laughs> Oh, it's a lot of stuff in that lesson. <laughs> you feeling any better? Yes, I feel a little better. Like That's a $25 car. still went to times <laughs> today. Good sermon, Brother Jim. Uh, huh? That was a good sermon. Yes, sir. Whew. A lot of stuff, isn't it? Well, yes, it is. But if you can remember, you you know computers. It's just like any math. If you if you look up the things that are equal to each other it makes it, it makes sense, doesn't it? Yes it does. Hey. You don't get me no kidding. I love you. Love you too. I love you, Sheldon. Love you too.